Welcome to Tea with PILPG. I'm Paul Williams, the founder and president of the Public International Law and Policy Group, PILPG for short, which is a global pro bono law firm providing free legal assistance to states involved in peace negotiations, drafting post-conflict constitutions, and war crimes prosecution and transitional justice. Today's conversation is part of our series of podcasts where we're addressing topics relating to excellence in professionalism for young professionals and thematic issues that PILPG and other nonprofits are involved in around the globe, such as negotiating ceasefires, drafting post-conflict constitutions, providing for human rights mechanisms and peace agreements, and various aspects of transitional justice. Today, our topic will be discussing getting downtown, meaning how to network and best use local events to raise your professional profile to generate job opportunities, to generate opportunities for collaboration, and to identify potential partners for starting your own nonprofit organization. And as you know, we have every conversation around a stiff cup of tea. And since today I got the crowd in this morning quite early, we're having Irish breakfast. Honestly, we're already in our second cup of Irish breakfast this morning, <laughs> just to get us geared up for this conversation. I'm excited to be joined by Christy, Sam, and Megan for this conversation. So let's go ahead and start. And let me just put out this basic general encouragement for young professionals to get away from their desk, get away from their carol, get away from their office, and get downtown and go to public events public presentations, roundtables, discussions, lectures, to get in the mix of mid-career and senior professionals. And when I say that, what do you guys think? What's your first response about getting downtown and participating in roundtables and discussions with mid and senior career professionals? It sounds a little intimidating. Yeah. I definitely am not a mid or senior <laughs> level professional, so it's, it, yeah, I don't know, how do I interact with those kinds of people and not sound stupid? Christy, this is exactly why you should be getting downtown, because every <laughs> other young professional has that exact same fear, that exact same phobia. If there's something amazing happening at the Carnegie Endowment, the U.S. Institute of Peace, the, the various uh, think tanks around town, be whether New York, Washington, Chicago, uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles, you're thinking, I'm just a young professional. What value do I have to add to uh, an engagement with senior and mid-level professionals? Well, the first value is you'll be one of the very few young professionals that are down there. The senior professionals and the mid-career folks have a conversation amongst themselves, but they're always looking for bright, young, dynamic individuals that they want to bring in as young professionals into their organization for summer associate positions, for internship positions, for, for early career positions, and they get hundreds and thousands of resumes. And they can't tell anything about someone really from, from the resume. Um, they probably used a software program called Resume Builder or something to design and build the resume. Mm -hmm. But they want to get to know the young people. And they're as isolated from the young professionals as the young professionals feel they are from the senior professionals. So you want to roll up your sleeves, you want to go online, find out what events there are that you have something to contribute or some way to engage and just RSVP and go downtown. Well, what do you do once you get there? Is there, I get the feeling that you want us to do more than just go and, you know, kind of sit quietly. That doesn't sound <laughs> like what you're talking about. So, you know, what, what do you have in mind for this adventure downtown? Okay, so the first thing is to get invited. And this is one of these 
things that it's very straightforward and very simple, but it's surprisingly a barrier to young professionals. They'll think, well, if I RSVP for this roundtable or this event or this conversation, I might not meet the, the criteria or they might not admit me to it. The reality is, in today's world, RSVPs are handled by software programs. Um, if you log on to the think tank and you RSVP for an event, as long as you have some professional association, most of you young professionals have internships or various things that you're doing, use that affiliation. Um, for those of you at you know, PILPG, obviously, as program associates, senior research associates, you use that affiliation, and the computer says, okay, and reserves a spot at the table. When you go downtown, you own the experience. You are a young professional. You dress like a professional. And the moment you walk in, you will see that there's usually a round table or a set of seating where the professionals, the senior and the mid-career professionals, sit, and you go and you sit with them. Because you also see the outer ring of the interns, which don't have a tie, don't have the jacket, aren't professionally engaged because they've demoted themselves to interns or to the dreaded students. And so as you owning your professionalism, you are dressed the appropriate way, you have your business card, you go in and you're young, dynamic, you have an elevator speech in your head, we've talked about that in earlier podcasts, you have a professional passion, you have a brand that you want to leave behind when you interact with somebody, and you just go and sit down at that chair at the round table, or you go and you sit in a strategic location, which we'll talk about in a second, if it's a larger, a larger venue. But you own it, you're smart, you're intelligent, and you want to meet some exciting people, and these people want to meet some exciting young professionals. So I, I kind of wanted to get at the, the what you were sort of just mentioning. I, I think, I mean, I'm certainly intimidated going down there, and um, but I've learned how to fake it a little bit. And so you get in, and you shake some hands, and, and you know, working on the elevator speech, yada, yada. But then there's a point where you sit down, and, and maybe maybe you're, you know, on the outset of a round table or just in a big room, um, and the person talks, and then they finish. And, and I guess what I'm wondering is, what is that, that next step, that next interaction, to be a part of the dialogue? Because it's just a flurry of hands go up, right? And, and how do you become a part of, a part of that dialogue without, um, I guess, uh, sacrificing any of your professionalism or uh, uh, pride, maybe. Events downtown are an amazing opportunity to market yourself because there's a 10-second or a 5-second sweet spot that young professionals can occupy to grab the floor at every single event. And that's when the moderator says, thank you very much for that dynamic presentation. Are there any questions? You've all been to events where they'll say, are there any questions? And there's that few seconds where nobody raises their hand. That's the only opportunity that young professionals have, by and large, to jump in there and grab it. And young professionals are particularly good at doing that. You just, boom, the moment he says, thank you very much, you raise your hand. And you then stand up, because they'll call on you, because you'll be the only one that has raised your hand. Now, of course, after you've done your thing, and they say, oh, okay, are there additional questions? 12 people will raise sure. their hand. Yeah. And the young professionals are lost in that sea of 12 people, because the chair will oftentimes, she'll call on, oh, Ambassador so-and-so, good to see you again. Or, oh, former <laughs> right. Assistant Secretary of State, yeah. good to see you. But 
everyone dreads that first, are there any questions? Because maybe the presentation wasn't that interesting and people haven't really you know, perked up on any questions. So what you do is while the presentation is going on, you craft out a question. And the question, especially the first question, can be something as simple as, I was very intrigued, you know, dear Mr. Foreign Minister, I was, I was very intrigued by your assessment of the conflict with, with the neighboring state, and I was wondering if you could provide some additional information um, on that conflict and specifically how it might relate to you know, economic circumstances or to the precarious situation of refugees or IDPs or, or anything. Because every presenter, every presenter has been cut off before they've been able to get to all of their talking points. Mm -hmm. They always run over. And so if the first question is, could you further elaborate? Oh, yes, I'd love to further elaborate because I didn't get a chance to cover my other three pages. Sure. And they'll get cut off, they'll get cut off again. Um, but what you do is they'll, they'll raise your hand immediately when they say, are there any questions? You stand up, you say your name, you say your affiliation, you've already got all of your marketing done right there, and you ask your question, and then you remain standing because if you remain standing, the speaker will speak to you and individuals will look at the speaker and look back and forth to you. If you ask your question and sit down, the speaker will then just speak to the audience. And because you're the first speaker, there's no protocol, there's no routine, you are setting that protocol and routine. So you stand up, name, affiliation, question, and you remain standing. Now, the best place to sit is three quarters of the way back. I. Because if you sit in the back, you stand up, and you ask your question, three-quarters of the audience will have to turn around to see who you are. And they'll be able to identify your face with your name, your affiliation, and with your, with your question. Whereas if you're sitting in the front, they'll just see the back of your head. And if you're going to be taking this energy to get downtown, to craft a question, to, to overcome the, the anxiety of asking that first question, you don't want to market the back of your head. You want to market your face. You want to have people know you, and then that way you can chit-chat afterwards, or they'll come up and say, hey, that was a good question, or I didn't realize you know, young professionals were so smart nowadays, or so enthusiastic, um, or so dynamic. Um, you want to maximize your marketing. It also shifts momentarily the focus from the speaker, because everyone will turn away from the speaker to turn to you asking the question, and you've got the entire attention of that audience for that minute and a half that you ask your question. And then it shifts back to the speaker. Because you're standing, it'll shift back and forth between the two of you. Whereas if you're in the front, they'll keep looking at the speaker rather than the back of your head, and the attention won't, won't shift to you. What do you do in um, a roundtable situation or a kind of an alternative venue? In a roundtable situation, you want to sit at the far end of the table at one of the corners because it maximizes your ability to network with the individuals sitting next to you. And it has that same effect of when you put your name tag up for to be recognized in, in answering a question, um, that the, the focus of the room will shift to where you are. You'll own the room in a sense, only briefly, only for, for a minute or two, and then you, you know, virtually transfer the room back to the head of the table. But what's key there is you've gotten to the event early. We can talk about that in a second, why you come early and why you mm -hmm. leave late. But when you sit at the table, you push your chair back about maybe a foot or so from the table, and you create a little conversation between the person to your right and the person to your left. 
And if you're on a corner, you have an opportunity even to reach out to the person on, on either side, and you create a little three or four minute conversation. You have your business card. It's easy to pass a business card to somebody that you're meeting with, sitting right next to one another. You facilitate, you host a conversation. Everybody at this event is there partly to learn something from the speaker and partly to network. But they're all a little bit shy about it and they're all a little bit nervous, even the mid-career professionals, not, not the senior professionals. But if you start that conversation by pushing your chair, chair back, creating some space for a conversation, and asking, hey, it's nice to meet you. They'll probably have a name tag. You'll have a name tag. You use their first name because you're a professional colleague of theirs. And you say something interesting or ask them something interesting. You've read all the news media about this event that morning, you know, whatever it is, if it's a topic on Yemen or Afghanistan or, or Syria. And so you're engaged in the latest news. You just ask them what they thought about. You know, today, a hundred uh, special forces were, were evacuated from Yemen. You just start up a conversation and you say, wow, 100 special forces from Yemen. Did, did you realize that we still had special forces in Yemen? I didn't. And then who knows where the conversation goes? Conflict resolution, Yemen, who knows? But you started a conversation. And then you involve the person. Oh, have you met George over here? And they probably know one another. But you're facilitating that conversation. You're acting like a peer, a colleague, a dynamic young professional. Is this a place where we could kind of insert our elevator speech? Or would we want to focus on the content of the event that's going on? Oh, you definitely want to enter, insert your elevator speech because they'll be thinking, who are you? And you're awfully young, and why are you here? Um, and why are you sitting at the table with me? In a positive, curious sort of way. And they'll be thinking, I need to hire a young professional. Maybe Sam, Christy, Meg, maybe could be that young professional because I certainly don't want to go back and read those 1,500 resumes that I got stacked up in my inbox. And so you find a way to, you know, hi, I'm, I'm Christy, and you know, I'm, I'm you know, excited to be here today because you know, the work that I'm doing in international development you know, for the Public International Law and Policy Group, which you, know, you probably know is a global pro bono law firm, um, you know, I've, it's really provided me an opportunity to get into this type of subject matter, et cetera, et cetera, whatever is your elevator speech. And they know you're advertising themselves to you, but it's a whole lot better than, I'm a young professional and I'd like a job, that's why I'm here. Do you have any jobs? Um, it's scary. And don't ask for an informational interview. That'll scare them. Um, they're, they're most concerned about folks who are going to immediately do the full court press for a job. But if you're interacting in a professional capacity, they don't have elevator speeches as much because they're senior or mid-career professionals. They're generally well-known. But they're basically asking, who are you and why are you here in a curious sort of way? And if you answer that seamlessly in 25 seconds, they're impressed because then they know they can then have a conversation with you and what they can have a conversation with you, with you about. And they're looking to kill four to five minutes being social before the presentation starts. Is it, is it acceptable to kind of like come with a partner to an event, like from somebody else from your organization um, who's also interested in the area, or do you kind of want to separate yourself and stand out a bit more? You can definitely head to an event with one of your colleagues from your organization, but there is no such thing as a wingman or a wing person in an event in downtown. You minimize your opportunities for professional interaction and exposure if you take a buddy because it's, everyone has anxiety about social interactions like this. You'll spend all of your time talking with your buddy about the event and you won't actually be a part of the event. You and your buddy will be a spectator. So even if you carpool down to save a little bit on taxi fare, you immediately when you walk in that room, 
you separate. Every place you stand, you've got a person to your left and to your right, a new professional contact that you can make. Every place you sit, you have a person to your left and a person to your right, a new professional contact. If you go with your buddies, you already know your buddy. You already know their professional capacity and their expertise. You don't need to get to know them better. You need to be fully engaged into the environment, and you can only do that if you separate from them. Now, of course, you recoup afterwards and exchange some business cards and you know, you know, deconstruct the event, think about how you're going to live, how you're going to tweet about it, how you're going to post something about it on your Facebook page, whether you're going to engage um, in some of the blogging that might be happening around the event, and you can exchange ideas with your colleague there, but you definitely want to fly solo when you're doing this type of, of networking. I'm glad you mentioned the business cards. I, I was hoping that we could talk a little bit about that. Um, I have business cards on me right now, um, but I have no idea how to um, give them out <laughs> in a not <laughs> awkward situation. You know, I, I've, I, yeah, I, I'm still figuring out how to what the etiquette is really you know do am i supposed to be the first one i mean so far basically i wait until someone gives me theirs and then i just reciprocate but is there is there a specific etiquette or is it sort of you know playing it by ear kind sam of? do you feel awkward shaking hands no i'm no do you wait for someone to put their <laughs> hand out before you shake their hand no business cards are exactly the same way okay it's a professional handshake all right. You meet somebody, you shake their hand in order to say hi, develop a point of contact, literally physical touch, contact. And the business card is the, is the professional handshake. Doesn't matter who um, puts, it out, puts the business card out first. And no one ever, it's like a handshake. You put your hand out, the other person responds automatically. Sure. You say, wow, this, I really, you know, actually it doesn't really matter what you say. You can simply even just mumble. But as you reach for the pocket, or you reach for the purse, or you reach for the wallet, and you start to bring out that business card, that's the exact same similar motion as if you were to put your hand. Everyone knows when you stick your hand out, they know you're not going to slap them. They know you're looking to shake their hand. <laughs> when you reach into your jacket and start to pull out your card, it's they know you're pulling out a business card, and that little ritual of the business card exchange is, is going to happen. So you can say whatever you're saying. But it's the business card that comes out. Oh, this is a really great conversation. You know, I'd like to you know, give you my business card. I'd like to exchange cards. Or, oh, the speech is about to begin. Here, let me give you my card. Mm -hmm. um, and then they will reciprocate. And um, nine times out of 10, they'll hand back the card to you. The 10th time, they'll say, oh, I just got my suit dry cleaned. Um, I didn't <laughs> put new business cards into it. But once you've got their business card, you've captured their details. And you can then engage and continue your professional conversation with them. And today it's such a low threshold with, with LinkedIn, um, with email, with other types of, of ways in which you can manage your, your Rolodex, so to speak. Um, it's, it's, that's what takes it, your, your ability to take your relationship, your professional relationship, to the next level is to be able to have their details. So you shake their hand because you want them to feel comfortable and spend two minutes talking with you, and then you give them their business card towards the end of the conversation so that you have a vehicle um, and a way of communicating professionally. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, let's wrap this podcast up for today. It's been a pleasure being with Christy and Meg and Sam. And if you'd like to learn more about the Public International Law and Policy Group, you can follow us on pilpg.org, which is our website. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. 
And if you'd like to send us uh, any suggestions or comments or requests for future podcasts on excellence and professionalism or thematic issues relating to peace negotiations and post-conflict constitutions, you can tweet us at hashtag T with P-I-L-P-G. Until next time, this is T with P-I-L-P-G, brewing excellence around the world.